You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hockey is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any hockey game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a daft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If a sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any hockey game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit with a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 147 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Hump day Wednesday, middle week, here we go. Got a special guest for you guys today. Fellow Sass boy, I had to get him on. Finally got him on. Uh, none other than big Chris McAllister, part of my uh, five toughest opponents series. And uh, for anybody out there, if you want to hear Chris's entire career, um, I suggest Five for Fighting's podcast. Alec, he had Chris on last year and uh, did a great job, covered his whole career. So I, we didn't get too in-depth. I don't want to, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of crossover listeners and stuff, so we didn't get... Uh, too involved in timeline in his career, but what I did do is uh, we did go through his career, and I just talked about certain different teammates that he had, and got a few stories. And I mean, the guy played in Humboldt with Calvin Crow. I had to ask, right? So did all that. Chris, a great guest. And then towards the end, uh, we uh, you know obviously we talked about his five toughest opponents, and uh, and the the question that Flyer fans have asked for years about the primo practice fight and uh, what happened with all that. And it's sort of, there's the, the myth that that was sort of the doing the beginning of the end for Chris. We, we talk about all that and uh, he gives you the straight scoop on that story. So no, I, I really, again, I want to thank Chris for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Kind of, uh, I want to say last minute, but I kind of, uh, I got a hold of him over the weekend. He cleared some time for me. So it was, it was cool. And uh, no, it was great that he was on and, uh, caught up uh, caught up with him it was funny i used to say you play high school football against him and you're on the end and you're looking over at a dude six foot seven on the offensive line a little tough the old swim move didn't work when you're uh five foot ten but uh 
No, it was fun to catch up with Chris. But uh, before we get into that, uh, I want to thank everybody who tuned in to uh, my last episode. And for those that submitted questions, it was a question and answer uh, episode. And I had a lot of fun doing that. And uh, hopefully I gave you some uh, some solid answers. Um, there was a few topics, uh, namely with Steve, that brought up that with both the, just kind of the history of fighting and how it's changed over the years and all that sort of thing that I'd, I'd really like to do a, um, a deeper dive into. And I, I already told him I want him on the show because he's into that shit, man. He can, he lays that, he can lay that stuff down on you dates and years and all that stuff far better than I can. And, uh, and I just, I enjoy having him on the show. So, but um, yeah, so definitely we'll, uh, I'll get him on the show and that's a topic I certainly like to cover. Um, Again, I want to thank everybody also. Uh, normally around here, every day, Wednesday is interview day, and then, you know, Sunday's the rant episodes and what have you. Unfortunately, my guest last Wednesday, um, it didn't work out. And, uh, so you basically had three episodes in it. Well, you did. You had three episodes in a row of me yapping. So, uh, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are happy that, uh, that, uh, McAllister showed up for this show. Um, it's always definitely my goal to get an interview, whether it be with a player or a fellow fight fan or what have you on Wednesdays. Um, overall done pretty good with that. Uh, but unfortunately sometimes, you know, schedules don't work out and, um, you know, and, and it's, and it's interesting. And I've said this on the show before, but yeah, it's interesting. It goes in waves, right? Sometimes you'll have two or three interviews done with guys and, uh, on other times you can't, you can't get someone to the phone. So um, you know, for listeners, I just hope everybody out there just bear with me, uh, trying, always trying to get guests and, uh, and we'll see uh, in the future. Uh, I got a few phone numbers and, uh, I'm going to make some calls here, uh, right before the weekend and hopefully I can get some of these characters on the show and, uh, and, and bring their story to you guys. But, uh, anyway, guys, I won't, uh, I won't talk too long, but I have to, uh, of course I have to get in the sponsors and, uh, and that type of thing. And, uh, my fellow podcasters out there, um, of course, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. And, of course, the preseason and everything going on right now, those guys are in all the teams' podcasts are in full full, uh, full go and uh, for another season. And uh, so, again, tune in to whatever team you're a fan of. Um, for my off-network friends, because i got part-time only down there, Five for Fighting podcast. But uh, he does a tremendous job, and like I said, definitely check out his back catalog for, of course, the Chris McAllister interview, as well as Rob Ray, Frank Bialois, uh Jeremy Yablonski, Rob Ray, tremendous back catalog. Alec does a great job. That pains me to say it, but he does do a good job, and I'm putting his show over right now, and uh, he he does a bang-up job, and he also runs the, uh, or the creator of the Enforcer Appreciation Group on Facebook. And uh, if you happen to be on Facebook, oh, the panic all yesterday, of course, when Facebook went down for the day. Um, but if you're on Facebook, um, think about joining the group. It, um, I always say with the fight, it's the closest thing you're going to get to a fight message board these days. For my older listeners out there, of course, from the fried chicken days and the, you know, the, that's where everybody congregated late 90s, early 2000s and had our debates and everything else. Well, this is very similar to that or as close as you can get to that kind of feel. Um, lots of pictures and videos on there and, um, yeah, and some good debates and, uh, yeah, so definitely think about joining in the Enforcer Appreciation Group. And, uh, I know Alec has, uh, on Fridays, um, he's trying to get going a live interview, whether it be with a player or a fellow fight fan. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's had Sean Pete on and Jason Bone. Of course he had Dr. Chris on and, uh, Searson from his broom closet in the UK. Hey, Johnny, get get better out there in the UK. Hey, a flyer guy. You got to be pumped for this episode. Um, but, uh, hope, uh, Searson's bounce. Sounds like he's bouncing back and back to work and he's going to have a, uh, city worker level of enthusiasm at the, on the job site tomorrow. So that's, that's good to hear. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, he's had those guys on for live interviews and, uh, um, and I think going forward, it's something I know he's, he's trying to get, get off the ground and get people interested and, Hopefully once the weather turns and, you know, people are staying indoors because it's cold out, what have you, hopefully you can get a few more uh, listeners during the live shows. And it's really interactive. You can type it. Yeah, get in there. Oh, get in there and just shit talk about stuff. And, oh, yeah, it's great. But uh, so definitely check that out. If you're not on the, if you're not in the group, please join the group. But, uh, 
but yeah, but definitely check out the Five for Fighting podcast. And uh, yeah, speaking of podcasts, Coliseum Chronicles, Jolt and Joel Lazito, Gary Lazito. Uh, it's an Islander enforcer based podcast. He uh, does a tremendous job. Again, I always pump Joe's tires. The back catalog, Mick Fakota, Dean Ewan, Strudwick, Bolton, on and on. Anything Islander, you name it. Joe knows it. Um, I have to. I was mentioning the other day um, on my my was it last episode or the episode before? I don't know. One of those solo episodes um, that I want to get. Uh, uh, of course, Joe back in the day. Uh, for, again, for the older listeners, uh, remember the old Tough Guy magazines that would come out once a year, and of course the Bad Boys books by Stan Fischler. Joe was a big contributor to those and uh, did a lot of the rankings uh, in the Tough Guy magazines. And I remember Joe just taking a verbal ass chewing on the message boards over those rankings. But uh, I, I'd like to revisit some of those magazines and talk about the rankings and where you know just where what he was thinking at the time and uh, looking back on it, if we'd still agree or disagree or. Um, you know, because, you know, everything's in that moment, right? So, but of course you have like with the hindsight and everything else. And, um, yeah, I'd like to go back and revisit that with, and I just like that Joe back on the show anyway. So, um, yeah, so we'll be looking for that, but, uh, yeah. And if, uh, like I said, Joe, Joe does an outstanding job. His, his guest this week is part one. was with Rick Hayward, minor league t- legend, Rick Hayward from the IHL for the lumberjacks at Springfield and, uh, and all, on all that. And, uh, Part one was great. I really enjoyed listening to it, and uh, yeah, and uh, really looking forward to part two. So definitely check that out. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, and if you hey, you know, it's October, mid October, getting there. Man, where did September go? Holy! But uh, Christmas is around the corner. It's never too early to get your Christmas shopping done. And if you want to get some uh, shopping done early, Joe Lazito's got merchandise. Check out Coliseum Chronicles merchandise. Hit Joe's store up. Like I said, we got Christmas ball. Hey, you want to you want to dangle Joe's balls in your tree? Pick it up. He's really getting into the Christmas thing. Um, I know. Hey, maybe I'll do a Christmas episode. We'll get Joe on. Uh, you know, he's he's down south. I'm up top. You know, we could. You know, hey, we could maybe cross poles. You know, it could. You know, a lot of things could happen on the Christmas episodes. So, yeah, maybe that's what I'll do in the festive season. We'll get Joe on. You know. Hopefully he doesn't go on and on about his Yule log. You never know. But oh yeah, and of course his bloody bills there shutting him out. So he was all like I said, they're breaking tables over at the Lazito household. And um, I was I should have made him a bet with that Stampeder Rough Rider game though. I could have got some. Oh, I could have got some New York, uh, you know, some New York fries or something. Or what's what's big in New York? Uh, you know, I could have got some Coney Island corn dogs or something from uh, from Joe for the oh, with that bet. Go stamps, but. Uh, but definitely check out uh, the Coliseum Chronicles podcast. Jolton Joel Lazito, give it a Lazito. But uh, all right, guys. Other than that, hey, if you're on social media, why? But if you're opting to be on social media and you want to do that to yourself, um, check me out. Fourth Line Voice on Twitter as well as on Facebook. F O U T blah 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 on Facebook. Uh, I had to write it out. Couldn't put the number. And also on YouTube, I have over 2,500 videos on my YouTube channel. Subscribe to the channel and hit the little bell notification. That way, whenever I upload something, you'll be the first to know. Um, everything is sorted, so just go to the little search engine. OHL, NHL, AHL, IHL. You want to look up some Rick Hayward fights? Check it out. Um, yeah, like I said, 2,500 fights. So you'll find something on there that'll keep you busy. But... Um, and I know I haven't been uh, I haven't been as diligent uploading as I want to be. I do have some DVD. Thank you, Steve, again for the DVDs. I have some new stuff here sent to me. Well, it's old stuff, but it's new to you, new to me. And uh, we've got some serious repairs. We've got lots of stuff here. So um, I will be going through that here in the next little bit. If I ever get a day off, I will uh, I will start uploading some stuff. But uh, keep uh, keep uh, your notifications open. But um, other than that. Um, if you guys could, uh, one last thing before we get in with my interview with Chris, um, if you could, it would do me a big favor. It would help me out a lot. Whatever platform you happen to be listening to this show on, if you could rate and review my show, um, it helps me out in the searches. You know, when you listen to a podcast afterwards, it said, uh, and shows like such and such, that's where that hell happens to the algorithm, whatever. But if you could rate and review my show, I would greatly appreciate it. And I know it sounds hokey, but could you download it? 
I get paid by the download. Don't stream it. I don't get any money when you stream. Help Darren out. I got, I got, hey, I got to afford Joe's balls at Christmas time here, so I need you to download my shit. But, uh, that would be greatly appreciated if you could do that. And, um, as I always say, when you're a, a smaller co- podcast like myself or Joe or, uh, Alec at the Five for Fighting, um, we rely on you guys, the listeners, uh, for word of mouth and to retweet our episodes and, and tell, tell your friends that, oh, hey, there's no, if you, if you know a flyer, a fellow flyer fan, hey, I got Chris McAllister on there and, you know, whatever, I, I would greatly appreciate that. You guys are our billboard, right? Like I said, we don't have alcohol named after us and I don't have a, uh, I mean, the hockey podcast network is growing without a doubt, but, uh, I don't, it's, you know, we're, we haven't caught up to Barstool or ESPN or TSN just yet, so, in the meantime, I'm going to, uh, we need the listeners. Uh, it's a listener driven show. And that's why we're doing this. And, uh, I hope you guys, uh, you know, like I said, the show has been slowly growing since I've been on the network. I can see the numbers. It has been, um, it's been growing and I greatly appreciate everyone that takes the time out to listen to the show and, uh, sends me feedback and, uh, Nixon, I got it, man. I got it. I hear you. Um, I'm sticking to, I'm sticking no comic book talk today, but, uh, no, and I appreciate uh, Nixon for for always listening, and uh, I appreciate it, and everybody else that uh, you know sends me feedback and, and the private messages and lets me know you're out there listening and what you like about the show, and 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 I appreciate it, and uh, and like I said, it's uh, you guys are the vehicle to uh, to drive this thing, so and I need your guys' help, so any help is very much appreciated, uh, word of mouth and retweeting and uh, and what have you, so. Um, once again, thank you for the people that, uh, that do that. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep growing and, uh, we'll see where this, where the ride takes us here. But so far it's been fun, but, uh, I'll shut up. How about that? I'll talk to you guys on, on Sunday again, but in the meantime, here is my talk with Chris McAllister. Talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks everybody. All right. Here on the fourth line voice, special guest, fellow Saskatchewan boy, Chris McAllister. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. I know you were on, you previously did Alex's show, The Five for Fighting, and you guys kind of timelined your career and talked about everything. And so we won't get too in-depth. I won't timeline your career too much. But as I, as I was telling you before we got going, I've been kind of doing this series called The Five Toughest Opponents. And, of course, you, uh, you know, lengthy NHL career, minor career. I mean, uh, so I'm sure that, uh, you know, there's a lot of names we could choose from the list. But... Before we get into your list, I want to talk to you about a few of the teammates that you had through your different stints in in hockey. But um, we before we get like well, right as we get going, you're 17, 18 years old. You're playing junior A hockey in the SJHL, Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, with the Humboldt Broncos, and one of your teammates is the infamous Calvin Crow. Do you have any Calvin Crow stories for the listeners? Well, Calvin, he was a little loony on the ice once in a while. As you know, he had big penalty minutes there. But uh, the one thing I, one good story I have about Calvin is that after that season, we went to Boston for, uh, I can't even remember the name of it, some kind of tournament for junior A players scouting for the NHL. So him and I drove to Minot, North Dakota, flew to Boston to this tournament. But, uh, one thing that sticks out to me is on our way back is that we're driving my parents' old Buick 88 and speeding along the highway down in uh, North Dakota and had the cops fly by, turn lights on, turn around, but we did a little uh, getaway driving through the back back uh, roads. Had no idea where we were going, but we ended up losing the cops and didn't get a ticket. So that's one of the best stories I remember about <laughs> hanging out with Calvin, outside of the rink anyway. Well, yeah, Calvin, I mean, the stories of him are legendary. And, of course, the year that he played in Humboldt with you, um, he had 498 minutes penalties, and uh, which I know is blowing people's minds already. But for the listeners, get this one. The following year, he broke it, and he set the penalty minute. Well, it's got to be – I think it, I've never heard of anybody getting more in any league. Of, and I believe it's 728 the following year in Nippon. So, yeah, there we go. You know, we're talking 1,100 penalty minutes in two seasons. I mean, you know, that's more penalty minutes than teams get these days. So, yeah, I, I definitely want to get Calvin on the show. I've heard, I've heard uh, yeah, you're, I've, you and a few others have told some good ones. But, uh, 
But just looking at the SJHL at that time, um, you know, there was some tough dudes in that league, man. Like uh, Dan Kopeck, Corey Herman, Reed Lowe, Curtis Boff, Cam Bristow. Did, uh, did you run into any of these cats in the SJ? Yeah, Cam Bristow and I had a go. Uh, Reed Lowe, kind of how we met. Uh, he was playing in the... What was he playing in the States team, Minot team? Yep, the Top Guns, yep. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, we never really had a go in there, but uh, ended up having the same agent through our hockey careers and stuff like that and hanging out and off-season, fast soon working out. But there's a lot of connection in Cam Bristow. Now he lives outside of Saskatoon. I think he works at another Potash mine, same as Nutrien, but different location than I work at. So it's a small hockey world, actually. Absolutely. No, definitely. And um, I was going to say, like, before we kind of get, get going further with the SJ, I mean, I know you had played you had played Junior B the year before at the Royals and then, uh, you know, flirted with the Blades for a little bit, but then you played the year in the SJHL. Then as a 19-year-old, you played with the Saskatoon Blades for a full season. When did you start kind of get, or did you ever get, when did you start getting comfortable in that enforcer role? Uh, it was a Junior B days. Um, tried out for AAA contact midget in Saskatoon there for the contacts. Uh, didn't make it team. Uh, I fought my buddy Craig Hayden in the camp there. I think it was cut shortly after that game, next day or that same game. Um, then I decided to go with the Saskatoon Royals and play there. So that way I could work and make some money, go to school. And only played on weekends, practice once a week maybe. And I think I had my second fight against the big, against the Warman Wildcats, Warman Rodders in uh, Warman Old Hockey Rink in Warman there. And some big cowboy guy did well said to myself I think I might be pretty good at this and then continued on with that and then throughout the Junior B Lauren Mulliken and Daryl Lubadicki came to a game and saw me had a chat with them after a game and then had a practice with them the rest of that year never played a game with them but just practiced with them and got my fat ass in shape and did well the next year with plays at camp that's when Mark Rader was there and then he went to Detroit Red Wings camp and I remember at uh, training camp, he came in the dressing room. He was like, I'm going to Detroit camp. Who wants to fight me? So I put my hand up. Him and I had a square off at center ice. I held the Trace Arena there, had a good scrap, and then shook each other's hand in the penalty box. And then it just so happened that he uh, ended up getting cut from Detroit, and he came back, and that's where I ended up playing in Humboldt that year. He sent me down to Humboldt. It's kind of a long long answer to your, sh- your short question. but No, that's great. Yeah, well, then... Um... Yeah, so like when you were getting ready, like you said, okay, uh, you've, you've sort of mentally made up the the decision that okay, I'm you know I'm going to do the enforcer role here. And uh, uh, did you take? Did you? How did you prepare for that? Like, did you do any boxing or anything? I did boxing, yep, yeah. and then uh, worked out at Ironworks gym there for a bit. And then yeah. what I really did is just at the YMCA there next to the downtown Twenty Second Street, Saskatoon, working out at six in the morning. Because when I played for the Blades, I was already graduated high school already. So, yeah, my uh, working out at six a.m. after the Humboldt year, you know, I didn't have a great personal year that way. I almost quit after that year. Um, just wasn't playing lots and just the way it was. So, kind of put my mindset in. I'm going to work my ass off and try to give this a good go with the Blades the next year. And it just worked out that you know I put the time and effort in, and they actually got to see that they gave me a chance so all those stars lined up in a row for me they gave me a chance I did the most of the chance they gave me at the time and someone noticed it and someone liked me so you need all those things to happen for you to advance in a lot of places no absolutely Ed well like you had mentioned uh you know of course Lauren Mulliken was the coach and uh you know you guys the Blades there you got a fairly fairly tough group I mean Shane Calder and Clark Wilm and Rhett Warner Tobler and Sorkan and of course the um the late Wade Belak. Um, That's correct, yeah. Yeah, how did, uh, what are your memories of Wade when you first met him? Uh, big, happy, and big goofball, kind of like myself back in the day, but, you know, he was always happy, joyful. I know we always uh, joked around who was bigger, who was tougher, and all that stuff, but. did Well, I know you guys fought in the NHL. Did you guys ever fight in, like, camp or anything? 
Not ever fought in camp. We always practice fighting in practice. Yeah. You know, you have to you wrestle, grapple, try to get in fighting shape, do the slap in the face, and did that quite a bit. But never had to go in practice or nothing like that. Well, and then of course you're you're drafted by the uh, you know the Vancouver Canucks, and uh, and you get um, before you get to camp. But we I just want to talk to you about Syracuse when you're down there with the crunch, um, and your coach was the late Jack McElhargy. Yeah, he was awesome. He uh, he taught me lots. Taught me a lot how to be a professional. Taught me how to pick spots to fight and uh, be more consistent. You know, I think when I went there, there's. My first roommate was Brent Tully, and I wouldn't say the first half of the year that we were in great shape. We kind of uh, pretty much had a cheesecake in the fridge every day, <laughs> <laughs> and we lived on campus at Syracuse University, so we all lived in a hotel. It was a two-bedroom furnished hotel, so we always had maid service, so we'd practice, work out, go up the top of the hill and drink at the bars in SU, and then stumble home at 2 in the morning and do it all over again the next day, practice, work out. But then... Uh, Back in the day there with Syracuse, we were a split squad there. So it was Vancouver and Pittsburgh. Okay. So if you weren't playing well, you know, you had the, whoever, whatever brass came to that game that night, either Vancouver or Pittsburgh, usually those players played more that game. And if you're not playing well, you're not in the lineup, you're not going to play. So Jack made sure that uh, your head is on straight. I remember one game against Albany. I think we lost 8-1. I was on for all eight goals and minus eight. I think I fought Olawa that game too. But uh, I don't think I've ever seen Jack so mad at me <laughs> that game. My, that minus and eight. Also, on the flip side of that, too, and then on the flip side of that, when uh, I think it was my second second year, halfway through that year, you know, learned how to be more professional and stick it up for teammates and fighting properly. I remember getting a call up from Vancouver, and he told me, and he's like, "You've done everything I've asked, and good luck to you, and hopefully never see you again." And fortunately, you know, he didn't see me again in those seven years. But how, like your your first camp when you, of course, you got taken to the second round by Vancouver, and so you go into camp, and uh, you know, you got Ojik and all those guys there, and I think Tim Hunter was was Tim Hunter still there? He was. Yeah, yeah, he sure was because he uh, he scared the shit out of me. It was the first scrimmage. Sat in front of the net, you know, I thought I was a pretty big guy, but I was pretty immature, pretty uh, not well-developed as a 19-year-old at that time. But I remember him standing in front of the net and looking at me with his big crooked nose and slashing his, my stick out of my hands and saying some smart-ass remark to me, and I had nothing for him. Just looked at him, skated away, picked up my stick. <laughs> <laughs> Did um, Well, a couple of your teammates in Syracuse I want to ask you about are uh, Matt Rushdie and, and John Baduke. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you have any stories about those guys? Well, Big Bad John, you know, he's had his fan favorite there for sure. Him and his wife, Wendy, I hung out with them quite a bit when I was down there. Um, you know, John was probably one of the toughest guys that I played with at that time. It's crazy, too, because I remember a couple of preseason games against Rochester. We had a lion brawl there, and he was jumping the penalty box class after another guy. Um I wasn't afraid to fight anybody, go after anybody. As you can see by his pins and highlight reel on YouTube. Yeah. Some of the stuff that John did back then. But I think uh, more, more than anything, he was just a great guy off the ice, too. Yeah. became a good friend. Yeah, but... And then I think you'd believe him when you're still married and living in Alberta somewhere, so... Yeah, he, yeah, he is. And uh, I know he has his number retired in Syracuse. That's how much of a fan favorite he is. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that on media that they retired his jersey there it's awesome yeah he had his own song there right big bad john oh you gotta love the miners yeah yeah oh yeah well and then and the and, other uh, guy yeah go ahead i'm sorry matt Ruckty. yeah big matt Ruckty. he was uh, a larger than life character i think he was about six foot but he's so wide and his head was probably twice the size of my head too <laughs> but matt was a good guy we we got along pretty well. That whole team got along pretty well that year. Yeah. Our, we went all the way to the conference final and lost to Rochester there. So, 
Yeah, well, some of the characters that kind of went in and out of there at the time, uh, I wanted to ask you about. Of course, uh, I, I just had him on the show, uh, two-part series, great guy. Uh, undersized, but it had thunder in his hands, it was uh, was Paul Ferone. Do you have any memories of Paul? Oh, yeah. I remember playing with Paul in Syracuse like that. And then, uh, you know, he always loved boxing off the ice, too. So I know in Syracuse, I think he found some basement gym, boxing gym that he always go work out at. Um. And then Paul and some of his friends own a team out in the UK. So I got a hold of him during the 0405 lockout and played for his team in Newcastle. Yep. And then I played again for them in the 08 09 season. So yeah, I reached out to Paul and played with him. Syracuse, he's a good dude. So he's a good guy. I think he's living out in Vancouver now. Yes, he is. Longshoreman out there. Yeah. Yeah. He's got his contracting company going. Yeah, he's doing really well. Yep. Um, Another guy I want to ask you about, um, he was a big Vancouver draft pick and, and everything, and he came, uh, Stoinov. Um, Alex. Yeah. Alex, yeah. Do you have, what are your impressions of him? Uh, he came down for a conditioning center, I think it was, down in Syracuse when I was there with him. We all know quite a bit, so he asked, picked his brain, and kind of things, so things went up there. Um, I didn't really get to know him too well, just a short stint, but from my experiences, I think he seemed like a good guy. But, I never really got to know him that well. He wasn't there long enough. Yeah. Well, one guy, I, he's, I see him online and stuff, and, of course, he does the Arizona Coyotes games. He makes me laugh. But uh, Tyson Nash, you got any stories of Nasher? Oh, yes. Character? Oh, yeah. Nasher, uh, as he talks well now on the TV, he's even better on the ice as trash talker, right? Yeah. And they call him Gonzo because he had the big nose back then in Syracuse. Um. Oh, yeah, I can still remember. I think one time, and he's on the podcast too at one time, he's chirping me and Burt Robertson because I remember he was doing well in Van- with the Vancouver organization in Syracuse and thought he'd get a shot. But that's when Mike Keenan took over for Vancouver. And, you know, Mike's team's already wants big, tough teams. So I think it was me and Burt Robertson got called up instead of Tyson. I think Tyson was leading the, our team in points at that time. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> call these two goons way up there and I'm doing all this. But, but then he got out of Syracuse organization and got with St. Louis and had a good career for himself. No, absolutely. Well, you mentioned Mike Keenan. Uh, what was it like playing for Iron Mike? You hear all these horror stories. What was it like? <laughs> well, I didn't mind him because I did everything he asked me to do. So I remember when he took over the team from Tom Rennie there. He was Anaheim, I think it was his first game. He went around introducing himself to all the team members. He's like, Chris, you're kind of six, seven, eight. Can you skate? I'm like, yeah, I can skate. All right, perfect. You're playing left wing tonight. So that's when I started playing left wing and defense for Mike Keenan. There. And I remember games that uh, sitting on the bench on the grocery stick in between the bench, separating the forwards from the D, and he'd give me a tap on the shoulder just before a puck drop if we're at home. Take off left or right wing guy, and I look at and it's either like Jim McKenzie or an Olivar or Cummins or someone like that. So I know what, I'm, what my job is that shift. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and a couple of the, and of course, uh, you were in Vancouver, of course, for the Messier uh, era. What was it like playing with, with Mess? It was good. That was his left winger, him and Pavel Burry, for a couple games. Yeah. Had a good time with that. Um, Mess helped me. Like, he would help all the younger guys, you know. He's a pretty big leader at that point, for me anyways, coming into the game. And I remember some tough guys coming after me and I was near the end middle of my shift and he'd come in intervene knowing that I was kind of tired or winded he didn't want me to be behind the eight ball with a fight so he saved me a couple fights that way and also just with equipment gear sticks skates you know probably little tweaks in here and there to help with your skates sticks lies lies of your stick and all that stuff to help your performance on the ice a bit but one thing with him I've never seen anybody go through so many pairs of skates in one season I think he must have gone through 80 pairs of skates that one year. I think he'd have a new one every period. He'd have the trainers tweaking his skates a millimeter here and there from his blades. It's just unreal to see that, to be able to play the caliber he did with brand new skates out of the box. It's crazy. Well, I was going to say, like, yeah, like, you don't want brand new ones, and he's doing it, like, that's unreal. That was before they used to bake the skates. Now they bake your skates to your foot for a better fit. But yeah. Back in the day, it's crazy. 
Yeah, you know, exactly. Well, a couple of the tough guys that were in Vancouver, and of course, it's like, of course, you have Brett. How did you get along with Brashear and Ojik and Brad May and those guys and Strudwig? Well, me and well, I hung with Brad May and Todd Bertuzzi quite a bit um, when I was in my time there. We got along great with those guys. Um, Brash and I hung out quite, quite a bit. Um, he's kind of stuck to himself a little bit more in Vancouver. I played with him a little bit more in Philly. We hung out a bit more in Philly than we did in Vancouver. Um, and Strato came in. I remember he got traded for Ojik. I think all he did was swept dressing rooms and they had a couple of fights the next game. So I think it was in Vancouver. One went to Long Island, one two went to Vancouver. We played in the next, that same day. So it was quite interesting to see those two. Yeah. Did you get along with Gino? I did get along with Gino quite a bit, yeah. I remember he uh, requested me as a roommate when I got traded to Philly when he was there. Well, there you go. Oh, yeah. Well... Well, as we kind of, uh, you know, we kind of uh, go, I know I've kind of, uh, we were talking about your five toughest guys and I've sort of sidetracked here with your with your teammates, but just a couple names, uh, a couple more names I want to throw at you before we get into your list. Of course, you uh, you got traded from Vancouver to Toronto, and uh, of course, mm-hmm. two of the names I have to ask you about, obviously, especially being a Saskatoon guy, you were sitting there with Wendell Clark. What was that like? That's right. How'd that get awesome? Like, were you just, were at any point, are you just like sitting in the dressing room, like, and just thinking, like, what am I doing here? Like, this is unreal. Like, you're playing these guys on Nintendo, and now all of a sudden I'm sitting in the dressing room with them. Like, that's got to be a surreal feeling. It is. It's a cool feeling, but what people don't realize is that, you know, people don't realize how good of people they are either, right? They're just normal people. Yeah. Back. Just like you and me talking right now, is exactly how they are. It's just yep. like they're phenomenal athletes at the same point. So, but what amazes me is just how good of people they really are, which most people don't realize. So, yeah. Well, they have the public. But pers- I have a. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, I said with Wendell Clark though, I always have a permanent mark from Wendell Clark because we're in practice. You know, you're trying to do. We're doing one-on-one drills. You try to go around me, left the stick a little bit high, so. Got a nice scar and a no tooth to where his stick was, so it's always a good Wendell Clark story. <laughs> there you go, there you go. And what about Ty- and of course the other one I got to ask about Ty Domi. Domi was good. He was always good to me. Um, never did actually fight him in my career, but watching him fight and I don't know how he did it, being so small, but he's so strong. I remember. Uh, wrestling with him in practice and they couldn't realize how strong he was for a little guy but everybody knows that he had a hard head too right yeah no uh, yeah absolutely the icon that he was in Toronto like he still is he was a fan favorite there for a long time but he knew how to play the game he could play he could fight he could do it all too so no absolutely and of course imagine him him in a league today the uh, Tom Wilson times 10 right Oh yeah! Well, imagine you in the league now. I mean, that uh, do you ever sit and watch it and be just like, "Oh, I, I," you're watching like Tom Wilson or something, and you're just like, "I'd kick the shit out of you." Oh yeah, absolutely. And like Reeves, I know and those the game's a lot faster, but it's not as fun to watch. There's not, there's not that hate like there was before, right? No, you'd have those teams that have that edge. As soon as you know you're playing this team, it's just a war. Yeah. Like when I played in Philly against New Jersey all the time, it was all at war every game. Yeah. No, absolutely. Same thing, but you don't see that anymore. No. Well, what, but one of my all-time favorite players, and you played with him briefly in Philadelphia, is Rick Tockett. And uh, what, was, yes. what was it like playing? Like, that guy's one of the premier power forwards of all time. Uh, what was it like playing with Rick? Rick was great. Um, not only is my teammate, we were fourth-line linemates together, and then he became my coach. He was assistant coach in uh, Phoenix when I got signed there when Gretzky was head coach. And then he coached me in Colorado as well. So, yeah. Got to know Rick quite a bit. And he's done well for himself coaching wise. Yeah. On the great career he had playing. No, absolutely. Well, and another character you played with, like, <laughs> in Philadelphia. And, and he's had his issues and people know about it. And I've had, I had Adam Huxley on and he told a couple stories. And I've had a few people on. Billy Tibbetts. Were you there when Tibbetts was there? Oh, I sure was. He's uh, roommates on the road with Billy Tibbetts, yes. You, you Really? How'd that go? Yeah. 
how he was different, but I didn't mind him, you know. Like, I remember, I don't know if he was dreaming or whatever, having night dreams, but I remember him waking up and he's banging on the wall, standing up, yelling shit. And I'm like, okay, it's a little different, but whatever. But he gave it all on the ice, you know. He's a talented player. He just had some demons that everyone has that some people have to fight through. But he was a talented player when he played with us. Remember, we had that line brawl in Carolina. I think it was me, Billy Tibbetts. Rick Talk was on the ice at that same point. I think Tibbetts fought that Malik. Yeah. Six foot six guy, six seven defenseman there, yeah. Had that marathon fight with him. But Billy was interesting. He had his gold chains around his neck all the time. He had the Boston accent going heavy. He's a beauty. Well, yeah, like you said, though, like for a dude that, like, what was he in? He was in the joint for, what, three years or something, and all of a sudden he comes out and he's in the NHL. It's like, oh, yeah, like the talent, the talent the dude had. It's Yeah, like you said, it's a it's a shame, but uh, if he could have got it, kept it together, I mean, yeah, he is, he's unreal. Yeah. He was, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, a couple more and then we'll, we'll get into it, but, uh, of course, I'm just kind of going through your career here, and, of course, you're in Colorado, and uh, one of my favorites is uh, – Scott Parker, what was it like playing with uh, hmm. with the, with uh, with the sheriff? Sheriff, yeah. Well, before we played against each other, I think it was my one of our first NHL fights were against each other. I think it was I was his second fight, and he was my second fight ever. Yep, Vancouver, Colorado, and we had a long marathon fight, a good fight. It was very good. And once you uh, once you get to learn to know Scott and stuff like that, he's the kind of guy that would give his shirt off his back for his teammates. So he'd be the guy, the go-to guy, the fixer-upper guy. So if you need plumbing done or some trim done or some painting done, guys would call him up on the team. He'd come over with his tool belt and toolbox, and he'd be fixing stuff in your house for you. Well, there you go. Hey, everybody needs to know a guy like that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then he was a big Harley guy. I was a Harley guy, so ride bikes. And uh, when you were in New York, when you were, uh, pardon me, when you were in Colorado, Barnaby was there with you, wasn't he? No, I got traded for Barnaby. Oh, okay, okay, I wasn't sure. Oh, with Cut- Rangers, he came from the Rangers to Colorado. Yeah. Okay, so when you were in New York, Lindros was there. Is that correct? He was hurt, but he was there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, he was there. How did you did you get along with him? I didn't really get to know him because he wasn't around the team, right? Because he was hurt at the time. Oh, so and I yeah. only played 14 games there because then the lockout happened. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, when, uh, New York unloaded all their team and got guys for a rebuild kind of thing. Yeah, well, it's... There was all those trades, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, it's like the la- their hockey DB is just like the laundry list, right? Yeah, just keep scrolling. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in, in all the, like... At, at any point, like when you were, in, when did you start kind of getting comfortable in like in the NHL? Was it kind of around Philly? Yeah, Philly. That's when they kind of. I remember getting traded there. Then uh, Billy Barber, when he took over, is kind of when I uh, he gave me a lot of chance to play and develop my game. And working with Jim Acrosner, strength and conditioning coach, and then Master Scott, we worked with him in the summertime for striking, punching power, and that. But then I also worked with a skating coach that we had in Philly, and my game just developed quite a bit there, and I was very confident in my fighting style there. And they gave me a chance to play, too. It's just like Mulliken and Lubinicki did for WHL. That's kind of how it was for the NHL with Philly. Yeah. They gave me a chance to play, and I took advantage of all the options that they gave players to do skating-wise, workout-wise, and I took advantage of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And... uh well, I guess we'll. Uh, I, I have a couple questions to ask you after that, but we'll we'll get into this first here. Oh, I was losing, knocking my microphone over. Um, I wanted to ask you though know, before before we go here with the uh, with the UK. Um, I know you had you uh, you had you had gone to Newcastle in '04, and then of course you went back in in 2008 and uh, and played yeah. 50, 52 games. Um, how was it? How was it different? Because it seemed to be like noticeably tougher in two thousand and eight. Well, you know what? Even the 0405 lockout, they had. That's when Belak was there and Gary yeah. Barnes, Steve McCann. But uh, 08, 09, I think it's just a bit more established. You know, it's kind of like East Coast caliber. 
Yeah. You get some decent players over there. And they also had that program where they pay for you to go to school, get your education while you go there too, right? Yeah. So I think a lot of middleweight heavyweights, you know, if you're not going to, no, you're not going to make the initial career, why not go play overseas, get your schooling paid for getting education, and you still get to fight, get the best of both worlds, and the fans love it there. Yeah, how did you like? How did you enjoy the UK? How did you like playing over there in Newcastle? I enjoyed it a lot. You know, I met a lot of good people, saw those friends to this day, and I had a great time. Paul had a good report, and Mike Wilson was our head coach and player at the time, player coach. Yeah, uh, I think he's coach and GM or some of Peterborough Pete's now, where he plays junior. Yep. Well, the couple other yeah. characters you played with over there at in that time was, of course, Andre Payet and Tyler Willis. How are those two characters? That's right. Oh, Willie's good. I played with him in uh, Kalamazoo for the Wings first. That's true. Yeah, and then, yeah. Yeah, and then played with him there quite a bit. Willie's a good guy. I think he's living out in BC as well, and he's a cut his trade. I think he's an iron worker. I'm all right. And, you know, Willie and I hung out quite a bit His in Newcastle. Um, other good stories with Willie and Kalamazoo is that he had such a good team there. And the abuse that he would get from other teams, and he would just take it, you know. For a little guy, he wasn't afraid to fight anybody. Guy's my size all the time. He's a gamer for sure. We had such a good team and a fun team in Kalamazoo. We went all the way to the final. Ended up losing in five games to the Rockford team, but... Oh, like that, uh, like that, that stuff that's on YouTube, that mic'd up thing from the Rockford DVD with, oh, yeah. when, when him and Ralph were going at it. That's hilarious. That's yeah. like the best yeah. mic'd up thing ever. And it's just like, it's just, it's so <laughs> Willis, right? You could just, oh yeah, just that shit eating grin and just getting everybody going. And yeah. Exactly. But that, like you said though, if, I mean, if you wanted to, you know, if you want to fuck around and drop the gloves though, Will, you know, Willis could like, throw too for sure I just see that they're uh, going to retire his jersey in Kalamazoo yes Maybe not today yes so was I exactly no that's awesome yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, what was it oh uh, pa- Andre Payette yeah Andre yeah he, he's another guy I think uh, back in his earlier days there he was fighting like everybody doing well scoring and then when I got to play with him I think he was I don't know if it was his first or second state with Newcastle. So didn't he? I think he was with Nottingham maybe before or Coventry. But he's another guy too that could fight everybody and he could score goals too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, he had a pretty tough team though. I remember. Yeah, he did. Andre and Paul Stone, Willie. But we only had three lines maybe and four or five D then, so. Playing on some of the bigger ice services, we weren't probably the highest uh, grossing team. Like the big four, like Belfast, Coventry, Nottingham, Sheffield, they all had the money for they had the fans base and all that to bring extra players in. Yeah, I thought we did pretty good for ourselves. Well, we had in Newcastle anyway, but a good time, good bunch of guys. Yeah, well, and like you said, you and I mean. Yeah, you fought a few characters over there. You had Cornish a couple times and Brad Voth a few times and Rushton and, you know, uh, yeah. Voth, that's probably, yeah, you're almost fighting someone the same size. That's, uh, doesn't that happen too often? Yeah. yeah. He had a good career over there too, you know. He got picked on quite a bit from every other team. But he's always a gamer, always stuck up for his teammates. Tough guy too. Yeah. I had respect for him over there. Yeah. And Jeremy, you know, he did his job for a lot of years over in that league. Yeah, Cornish. Yeah, he's a tough dude. Yeah, had him on the show. Had him on the show. He was a great guest. Um, looking to get him back on. He, uh, yeah, he told some good stories. But yeah, went back and I was watching on YouTube. I watched like to get ready for the interview. I was watching a bunch of his fights, and yeah, he was he could go for sure. Yeah, straight lefty. Loved his lefty. Yeah, he hit pretty hard too. He got me caught me once pretty good in one of the fights. I remember. Well, as we're as we're about to, we'll get into that. Uh, like I said, I know I was throwing names at you here. I kind of threw you off with that one. I didn't tell you I was going to do that. But, uh, um, well, like we said, the, the five, Chris McAllister's five toughest opponents. Um, 
I guess, I guess we'll, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you could obviously could put like a bunch of guys in there, but you know, for the, for the sake of the exercise, we'll do five, but, uh, who, who would be number five on your list? Um, you know, Kip Brennan, I always had a hard time with Kip Brennan. Um, ever since he first fought him with LA and even in the minors, I had no luck with him. And have no balance with him, or he hit me hard enough that he would uh, knock me off the balance every time. And I knew it too. Every time I had to fight him, I said, "I'm not going to do well, but I'll fight him anyway." Yeah, like, is are there some guys when, for whatever reason, you you end up um, when you fight them, you feel like you're out, like out of control? Would he be like one of those guys? He would be. Yeah, and I don't know why. You know, I I felt confident the first time we fought, but he was pretty strong back in the day so he's taking his punches waiting for him to get tired out and waiting for the opportunity but he caught me a couple times good laid me out and I remember after that first time we fought I was pretty dazed for the rest of that game and I think we played Anaheim the next day and I remember the second period is kind of when the lights came back on big fresh air lights got bright because so I knew I was a little concussed a little bell run but back in the day you didn't really wasn't any protocol like there is nowadays for that kind of thing and then ever since that, I fought him a couple times later, but still had my number. Yeah, it, it, like you said someone, one of those guys, just didn't feel comfortable fighting ever. Well, I was gonna say, like, okay, well, that's the thing. So, like, I mean, you're are you're listed on Hockey DB at six seven. Are you legitimately six seven? Yeah, I am. Okay, so so basically, uh, I didn't know if it was the old hockey thing that had two inches, right? But okay, so so most yeah. of the time, obviously. 99% of the time you're the tallest guy in the fight. Um but I mean when you start getting guys like Brennan and stuff there you're a Parker and stuff he's 6566 six, six. it's pretty much the same. Did you was it easier fighting those guys or you know what I mean like someone you're kind of your own size or did you or was it easier with like a 6 footer? Like what was easier for you? Well, well I think with Kip the first time I fought him I didn't really know him, right? Was just, yeah. We just got called up, but the other guys, you fight them right away, kind of know a name for themselves. So I don't know if you can't knock him for what he did. He's a pretty tough guy, but I just didn't took it for granted at the start of the fight and then realized I got in trouble and tried to do too much, and he caught me pretty good. And then I don't know if he got in your head after that, but with hockey and fighting, it's easy to get lose confidence and stuff like that, right? So Yeah. But it was just like, I was just thinking, like, when you fight, like, a guy like, like a Jim McKenzie or a Matt Johnson or a McKenna or, or Kip or whatever, like, they're pretty much, or Rob Skurlak or something. I mean, they're the same size as you, give or take. But then when you drop yeah. down and you're fighting, like, a Dennis Bonvie, like, what's, mm-hmm. what's harder to do, do you think? Like, did you prefer to fight your size or was it harder fighting a guy like Bonvie? I think it was harder to fight guys like Bonvie and Ryan Vanabush. Yeah, I fought those guys quite a bit in the minors. Yeah, and you know, I'm more of a hold and throw. And these guys are more technical fighters. They yeah. all take punches, as they can confess to, and they all punch pretty hard too. But they're more technical, right? The grappling, hanging yeah. on, and stuff like that. I'm more of hanging on in the middle of the jersey, go punch for punch. Yeah, and you either win or you lose. And I got caught a lot near the end of my career, but. It worked for me, but like you said, fighting the smaller guys is harder than fighting the bigger guys. For me, anyways, the more tactical, yeah, get get you straight in, get you off balance. Yeah, would um was were you like a were you like a video guy back when you were playing? Like, did you do any? Because I know YouTube would have kind of just been in the infancy towards the end of your career, actually. But did you do any video watching at all? No, I didn't. I already. I already got into my head enough during game day before or the morning of the games that I knew I was probably going to have to fight. Yeah. So watching videos, I didn't need to do that. I was already in my head enough as it was back back then for that. Yeah. I never did videos. No. Was there was there anybody that you like you fought throughout your career that I don't want to say you didn't think like surprised you like he hit you and you're like holy shit like you didn't expect to get hit that hard from this guy was there anybody like that. Well, I fought George the Rock when he was. We did the Vancouver Edmonton rookie camp. Yep. We both got drafted there, and I've never been hit harder than that camp. But 
and I never fought him again since then either. So I never fought him in the NHL. Maybe it was in the back of the head at you, but like, he's probably the hardest guy I've ever been punched by. And then uh, even when I fought Reed Simpson, he caught me with an uppercut in Chicago one time. I didn't realize he could hit that hard either, but yeah, I don't know if he got me in the right spot. Everyone punches hard. It's just a matter if you can take a punch too. Yeah. To get to the right spot, you're going to go down no matter what. So. Yeah. Well, so we had Kip Brennan. Who's uh, who's number four on your list? Oh, I'd probably say Nazarov. Fought him quite a bit in my career. Yeah. I know that uh, when he was in Boston, he had Mike Keenan's coat there too, and I knew how Mike rolls. So a lot of times, a lot of our fights were first shifts in a game, and he'd come after me. I think we fought five or six times in our career, but I did pretty well against him, though. I had TKO one game and then a couple draws, but I thought I did pretty well against him in my career. Yeah, I was going to say, I know I... He's a big, strong kid, too. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember I remember the big the knockout you had on him there in, in Philly. Um, well, Nazaroff was also known to be pretty dirty when he fought. Did uh, Did he ever try anything with you? Don't never. No, never had that problem with him. No. Well, there. You... I've seen lots of his fights on YouTube and that with other guys. I've seen that, but he's never that because me in any way. But there you go. Um, well, yeah. yeah. Um, no, Naz. There, there. Uh, number three on your list here. Oh, I'd probably say Olawa. Yeah. We fought a few times in the minors, Syracuse, and I was with the Crunch, and he was with the Devils organization there. And then we fought when he was in Pittsburgh, and I was in Philly. Fought when he was in New Jersey. I was in Toronto. He was always a gamer strong, too, right? He's always in good shape. Yeah. Always willing to fight. He knew his role. Yeah. yeah. But him and I always had some good fights. I don't think that uh, they're ever, ever really one side as bad. Yeah, he kind of had that when he was when he was in New Jersey. There, he kind of had a pretty solid run for a few years, for sure. He did, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, number two on the list. Uh, well, I'd fought Bondi quite a bit in the minors too, and then when I played Hersh- Hershey. It was probably my last year in AHL. And he was a Wilkes-Barre scrap. We had a scrap there too. Um. Just like I said, he's probably the most technical, best fighter there ever was for minor league, NHL, all-time pin leader, obviously, but just the respect he had from all the fighters and what he put his body through, and he was good at it. And I always had problems with him. You know? Yeah, he, uh, unbelievable the career that guy had. Better. He did. Too bad he didn't get a chance in NHL more than he should have, but... He fought all the guys too, like Twister and all those guys too, and when he got called up to camps or whatever. So, yeah, Kobe, all those guys. He fought everybody. Oh yeah, well, like the, the mileage that guy put on his body with the fights and stuff—it's unbelievable. And just every year, like never a year off, just consistent and just everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, Bonvi. Bon, he's unbelievable. Yeah, and then my number one guy would be Jim McKenzie. Probably the most guy I fought in my career, Big Mac. You know, he has a very long list of heavyweight guys that he's fought and done well against too. And I think I fought him the most. I don't know if it's eight or eleven times that we fought each other, but yeah, lots of respect for Big Mac. A lot of times when he was in New Jersey, I was in Philly. We fought quite a bit. He was in Phoenix, I was in Vancouver, so we've always seen the same division. We always seem to find each other. Not hard to best two big Irishmen skating at each other. So yeah, a couple Saskatchewan guys. <laughs> yeah, they're uh... yeah, and he can and he can throw both too, right? I could throw lefts and rights, and so could he. Yeah, he could take a punch and give just as best as anybody. No, absolutely. Yeah, well, oh, you said that was that's a hell of a list. Um, the well, one thing I wanted to ask you, and it was brought up, and it, and it was I know when you were kind of cruising along in Philadelphia and stuff. And then um, you had the you had the was it a practice training camp the fight with Primo when he when oh, yeah, he training camp. when he broke your nose he broke your nose right he did yeah yeah did that uh, 
did that slow you down at all? Did that like, you know, was that, uh, like you were, you were saying how you kind of get in your own head and sometimes you get in your own way. Did that hinder you at all that fight? No, no. Uh, injuries and Philly death that hindered my career for fighting when uh, we played against Calgary and Donovan hit me. Um, Shane Donovan hit me from along the boards of doing a DDD pass there and I heard a big pop and I shattered my left wrist. Yeah. So I had eight or nine months of rehab and that's what deterred my career for fighting. Yeah. Because I don't have the strength in my left hand or left arm to hold guys out like I did before. But I could see why people thought the Primo thing was. But no, Primo... We were doing training camp, and he was going after Dan McGillis, who was my D partner on the ice at the time during training camp. So I had enough of it. We had a fight. And then I had him down for a bit and let him up, and that's when he next punch he busted my nose. Yeah. I know that uh, Clarky and that called me up into his office, Bobby Clark. He was pissed off. He's like, for one thing, don't fight your teammates. For a second thing, you have a guy down, finish him. Don't let him back up. <laughs> <laughs> but he was okay with it. But uh, Hitchcock was our coach then. Hitchcock, I didn't really care for Hitchcock too much. He's more of a head game guy than anything. So, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I, I was in traded too far after that. So, yeah, I was gonna say, well, because it was interesting. It was brought up, and I had mentioned to a couple of, oh, I'm gonna have Chris on the show and whatever, and they wanted me to ask that, and it was like, you know, because that was always sort of like in Philadelphia, it was like, well, what the fuck, right? What happened? Like, because you were cruising there the year before, and it was like all of a sudden, what happened? Well. There you go, folks. That's why we do the show. That's the way you hear the answers. Now you know. Yeah. Did yeah, you? Before playoffs, I had my left wrist, so I'm still numb to this day from parts of that wrist. So. Really? That was one of the reasons. Yeah. You know, Did, you still try to do it after, but you're not the same fighter. Yeah. 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 Did did uh, you know how it is with the big guys? Is you need that little edge every now and then because everyone's just as tough as the next guys. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And. Uh, I was gonna. Ask, did you? How were you and Primo after that? Were you guys all right after the fight? Was it all cool? Oh shit! Yeah. Oh yeah. We were all good. Yeah. You know, one thing about hockey fights, you know, as soon as it's over, it's over. You have a big. Don't no remorse unless you actually have hatred for the guy. But no, yeah, we were good afterwards. I was bugging him afterwards. He was bugging me, so it was all good. Well, speaking of that, I mean, I got to ask you not that we. Was there anybody you just didn't like out there? That it was like any chance you had to fight him, you'd fight him. Paul Barnaby for sure. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, and Avery played against him, but I think it was more Barnaby. Avery is more to the end of my career, but Barnaby for sure. He would pretend to drop your gloves, he'd turtle, but he'd fight some guys. Yeah. Just the way his mouth would run his mouth too much, that's all. <laughs> well, I was going to say, he had to obviously be the biggest yapper you played against. Oh, absolutely. Guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine, like, you just see him on TV and it's just like, I don't know how anybody just didn't take their stick and put it right in his teeth. I don't know how that never happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's very lippy. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, well, there we go. The, the, the top five, that's a hell of a list. And, uh, like I said, I, I won't keep, I know you're a busy dude and I won't keep you for too long, but I want to, I really want to thank you for coming on. And, uh, Hopefully down the road I can come up with some more stuff. I'd love to have you back on the show, but uh, I really appreciate you doing this today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for reaching out, and anytime. I enjoy it. Enjoy uh, reminiscing about old stories and talking about old teammates, guys I haven't seen in a while or heard of their names. It's always good. Yeah, well, so well before I let you go, obviously, just uh, I know I had a bunch of people. They were pretty uh, pumped up that I was talking to you. What's uh, what's Chris McAllister doing these days? And uh, are, are you still get out on the ice to do a few laps now and again? Um, I live down in Estherhage, Saskatchewan. Now I work for Nutrien out of Rokenville. Um, married with three kids, ten, seven, and six. My wife and her business partner own an ice cream shop and a medical spa in Estherhazy here. And we live above this above the shop in a four-bedroom condo, two-bedroom upstairs of that. Um, played senior hockey when I moved back, retired from hockey for the roster in Wheat Kings for a couple of years before I moved down to Estherhazy. And then I played for Theodore, the Buffaloes. We won the Provincial Sea Championship a couple of years ago. And then the last two years, I played senior hockey for the Estherhazy Flyers. 
So yes, I'm still skating, still playing senior, yeah. still getting mad and punching up people. Well, I was going to say, I think, uh, when was it when you and, uh, we were talking before we got going, uh, you and Conrad McKay had a little bout in the playoffs? Correct, yeah, I was playing for Theater at the time, and he was in Brokenville and playing in the league final, and he was going after a teammate, and I knew Conrad was a pretty tough guy, I knew my teammate thought he was tough, but he's not the Conrad McKay toughness, so I stepped in, Yeah, had a little bit of a go, it's good. They're, they're, and yeah. then, you know, Jeff Hodges is down here too, players for that same team. Player, coach kind of thing. And I know Hodges played uh, that same game too, and I asked him if we should go like old times. We just laughed at each other. We sent skated away. We're both too old for that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> does Audrey, Audrey get? Does he still get fired up out there though? Yeah, he still played. He played a couple games last year still for Rokenville for the Tigers. But I don't know if he's coaching or playing this year or not. I'm not sure. I forgot. I had him on no, just I'm recently, not. and I forgot to ask him. But uh, yeah, well, it's uh, it's good to hear you guys are still out there. But uh, all right, Chris, I'll, I think I might have been the oldest senior guy on the in the, in the probably the oldest senior guy in the league. I already have grandkids. My oldest boy lives in Calgary, and his it, wife and I have two kids. So, <laughs> well, there you go. Well, you and I are the same age, so uh, yeah, believe me, I I feel what you're saying. Uh, yeah, where, where did yeah. the t- where did the time go? From the Mount Royal Walter Murray okay. days. What happened? We got That's old. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Mustang Marauder robbery, yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, all right, man. Well, uh, I'll let you go. Thank you very much again, and uh, have a good night. I appreciate it. All right, yeah. Reach out anytime you need me. I'll be here. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 